0: The control the narrative of how the public is to perceive everything. And so I used to watch television to see what are they going to do next? You know, I knew they were deceiving people, but after a while it it hurts your brain to watch somebody lying to you and 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 know that this is the information that there's a lot of people who are watching this same information and are completely believing it. And it's very disturbing. And so, you know, I've turned off mm-hmm. <laughs> CBS and all the different networks some time ago, and, you know, strictly look at, uh, you know, videos on Rumble or whatever, you know, watch your channel and, and other people who I feel are reputable uh, to try to get more of an insight of what's actually going on. Uh, and how do you break out of it, is the question. Um, it's a hard one. It's a hard one because it's hard for somebody ever since their childhood that has trusted that that one-eyed monster in the corner of the room to be giving you information and to think that it's been deceiving you toward an agenda that's not for humanity all these decades. And so it's it's a hard one. It's like um. You know, and people are starting to realize that, you know, even medical advice on the television could, if you don't know what's going on, can be harmful to you.
1: You're listening to Exopolitics Today with Dr. Michael Sala,
0: your source for the uncensored truth regarding the human, extraterrestrial, global, and political agenda. Click the like button and subscribe to this channel. And now, here's Dr. Michael Sala.
1: It's my great pleasure to welcome back to ExoPolitics today, Dan Willis, who has released a paper on his website that deals with a very important topic, and we're going to go through with that, and and we're going to examine some of the key elements that Dan brings up, and of course, his own personal experiences with
0: this topic. So welcome, Dan, to the show. Michael, always a pleasure to join you, especially on this topic. It's such an important one. Um, <laughs> our our planet's been uh, hijacked so to speak to keeping us from that star trek future
1: let's begin with how you got involved on this ufo issue back in 1969 when you're working in naval communications you've you got a top secret clearance, and you receive a, a report about a 70-foot flying disc. So what what happened in that incident, and, and what ha- happened subsequently that introduced you to this topic uh, concerning uh, psychological operations?
0: Well, you know, as a child, I was fascinated with the idea of being in contact with other beings and i love science fiction movies i thought it was just science fiction and when i was working in naval communications i received a report where the uh, sailors on board a, a navy ship off the coast of alaska were witnessing a 70 uh, foot diameter disc that emerged out of the ocean off port bow and shot going uh, over seven thousand miles per hour according to the radar operator on the ship it was a secret classified priority message going to chief naval operations um, this was a real message, so um, and, you know I couldn't imagine anything what it could be, and it it basically seeded my interest in the subject because you know I looked for indications in the newspapers, the San Francisco Chronicle, tried to see if something kind of of uh, disclosure of this information was going out, but over the decades I realized that this is kept secret from the public. And um, and so, you know, for many years I've, uh, you know, looked for indicators to try to understand why is this being kept secret from the public. Um, you know, in 19, uh, 1993 I traveled to Area 51 to meet with uh, Bob Lazar and a bunch of researchers. And he was giving his account of reverse engineering extraterrestrial craft. I knew this was uh, kind of a key to understand what's going on. Apparently, they were uh, taking this technology and keeping it secret uh, for military purposes. Um, In uh, 2001, (laughs) an event that you're very familiar with. Well, before Uh, we get to that, I just
1: wanted to kind of like... um... You know, that that incident in 1969, you had firsthand experience of this UFO report kind of like getting uh, suppressed uh, under something called JNAP 146, which is Joint Army-Navy Air Publication that came out, I think, in 1959-52, uh, 1950, and was used to threaten military personnel with fines up to $10,000 and mm-hmm. 10-year imprisonment if they break their silence. Ten Under, years,
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Ten years in prison. So, how did how did your kind of like experience with that one in 1969? You you got JNAP 146 hanging over your head. If you kind of like come out and talk about this, so how did all of that shape your understanding of government secrecy and psychological warfare on the UFO topic?
0: Well, it's, it's very apparent. It was a topic that they wanted to extremely, you know, put the, put the lid on, they didn't want this out, they, uh, they, uh, another Janip, uh document for pe- people who are pilots, you know, civilian and military severe, the same thing, just like sailors or aircraft, anybody spots these things, it's supposed to <laughs> not say anything. So, um, there seems to be, uh, you and I have been studying the history of this for some time, and, you know, it goes all the way back 30s and 40s, and much, uh, you know, authenticated documentation of how there has been a uh, an extreme, an extreme effort in order to keep disclosure from happening to the public. Um, I believe it started out legitimately where they wanted to retrieve advanced technology in order to have a military advantage over adversaries. But then it got a bit sticky with um, some of the agreements that were made with uh, aggressive extraterrestrials that um, it would make it very difficult and for it to become, come out to the public um uh, and so uh and then you have you have the different elements you have religious elements you have the church you've got uh uh you know you got the military i know that when um after admiral bird's defeat you know james Forrestal wanted to go public with this and your, your wonderful book uh on uh uh jfk um what was the title of that one again <laughs> kennedy's last stand that's it that's an awesome book goes into the whole detail of the whole thing um they they murdered him they, they didn't want that to come out and uh the person that the mj12 member that they replace him with is uh walter beetle uh smith who was uh, a general and cia director who uh Became the new MJ12 member who wrote a, uh, a CIA memo to use this flying—they called it flying saucers back then in the fifties—to uh, use it for psychological warfare. And uh, just a few months afterward, you have George Adamski uh, claiming to have contact with space brothers from Venus, and he takes a photograph, and it's identical to the Nazi Hannaboot II design, which. Uh, shows that it was uh, a Nazi CIA psyop in order to uh, make the people believe that they see any craft that's unusual, flying saucers, that, oh, it's the Space Brothers from Venus. This way it keeps it keeps secrecy using the psychological warfare of any uh, advanced anti-gravity craft, which we know the U.S. developed in 1954, 20 years behind Nazi Germany that developed it back in 1934 so um, it's been uh the the original intention was you know to have advanced technology and to protect the United States you know using this type of thing but I believe it got in in the control of uh interests that did not have the best interests in humanity they had self-serving interests and the very first CIA director, uh, Roscoe Hillencotter, who was MJ-12 member, uh, warned about the dangers of this uh, secrecy that uh, was surrounding the whole UFO issue, so that if he wanted to have congressional hearings in order to bring this out in the open. He was afraid that it was going to be hijacked, basically, and uh, used by... You know, extreme secrecy that Kennedy warned about in a speech about how the, uh, the use of extreme secrecy does not justify <laughs> uh, the, the means to uh, keep it secret. And, uh, and so, as you know, back in 1955, Eisenhower did lose control to the uh, corporations. And uh, what happened was uh, every president, CIA director, heads of intelligence, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what your, your, um, your standing is in the intelligence community, you're denied access unless you're on this bigot list. And uh, that's what brought about the 2001 event that uh, I participated in is that uh, Admiral Thomas Wilson, who was head of intelligence for the Joint Chiefs of Staff, he was denied, and he was not only denied, but he was threatened, if he didn't drop looking into this, that he would lose rank and see an early retirement. And uh, this was due to a um, <laughs> to the event I participated in with Bob Lazar back in 1993. The base, went Area 51, went into a complete lockdown and issued a nro national reconnaissance office security advisory which had a distribution list which included these unacknowledged special access programs that were reverse engineering the extraterrestrial craft that you know bob Lazar was working on and uh he tried to look into it and so uh our legal government has basically been um out of the loop uh since 1955
1: very important to understand that. Um, I, I think it's worth pointing out that on the one hand, you have uh, secrecy on the issue, on the UFO extraterrestrial issue. And on the other hand, you have this kind of psychological warfare program, which has been created from the very beginning. That was how the MJ-12 committee kind of like dealt with this topic to Make it subsumed under this kind of like soci- psychological warfare program that was part of the Cold War. So anything to do with UFOs was kind of lumped into psychological warfare, and they actually set up this uh, what was it? I think it was called the Psychological Strategy Board, uh, and th- that was in uh, 1950. That was set up, and that was uh, that was replaced by the Operations Coordinating Board in 1952. And Colonel F- Philip Corso sat on sat on on those boards um, as as part of the kind of military's, military intelligence community's contribution to psychological warfare. So yes, psychological warfare has been at the kind of heart of the UFO cover up. So maybe just for those who are new to the term, do you wanna explain what is psychological warfare?
0: Psychological warfare is the control of the public's perceptions um uh, this is something i i took a keen interest in michael when when i testified uh in washington uh with you know the the place packed with reporters and 22 cameras uh, you know being an ex-abc newsman i, I couldn't imagine you know how <laughs> how the explosive testimonies that were given how it could not have a, a world-changing event um And I didn't even know what Operation Mockingbird was. So Operation Mockingbird was started with Alan Dulles in 1950. They had 400 journalists that the CIA was giving them the information to disseminate to the public, to form the public's perceptions, Um, and they were paying them. you know, they figure, well, this is for national security, and here's here's a big check. You know, so you know they went along with it. Um, and as the years went by, uh, they you know it was like fifty media companies that were disseminating information in 1983, where they started in Sun Valley, Idaho, with the CIA meeting with all the heads of, uh, and they do it every year. Uh, to consolidate control. And so they, you know, today we have six corporations that control everything you see and hear. And this is important um, in order to control the public's perception. You have to have a centralized control that's disseminating this information. I got an awakening of this, you know, after I, with the rest of the witnesses, we're on CNN and, you know, all the different networks um cbs flew down to have a interview with me and i saw what cnn did with it where we were disclosing we've had these technologies zero point energy we don't need nuclear oil and coal um they flew down from los angeles to interview me for about 45 minutes i said "Uh, i'm i'm not in the beginning, I said, I will not do this interview unless you can guarantee, I say, that we have the scientists willing to come forth in open congressional hearing that can prove we have a solution to the energy crisis with zero-point energy. Um, they promised. <laughs> Afterward, uh, the producer said, you know, I'm sorry, I never had this happen before, but the higher executives made me cut that part out. And and so that started my started my research and investigation of who these hired executives are they're cutting out a solution to the world and at the time they were having rolling blackouts in California and we're having pollution issues and you know to to uh, suppress technology that could benefit all of humanity, Uh, you got a nefarious interest that's in control of our media.
1: Yeah, we have uh, Operation Mockingbird as that program set up back then in 1950 and incorporating all of these bought assets that are controlled or bought either by the CIA or the military intelligence community to, and, and in your, your article, Counter Disclosure Assets, you, you talk about how these assets are used by the intelligence community to to maintain the secrecy and to hide the full truth, to con- confuse people or to counter the genuine disclosure to the, to the public. and that's very important that these that the key elements of psychological warfare are, you have a, you're bought and paid for assets who are pushed out there and their job is to like confuse people and to attack or target people who are putting out the truth so you want to maybe just elaborate a little bit about how these bought and paid assets you know whether it's under operation mockingbird or whether it's through a military intelligence program you know they have these assets who who whose job is to create the, uh confusion and to attack those that are the truth tellers
0: yes their biggest fear is disclosure the biggest fear is the public awakens to uh the deception that's been perpetrated for decades. You know, the documents go back with the CIA showing that they have even infiltrated the, the clergy, you know, the church to uh control this issue and that they have infiltrated uh, UFO groups, you know, they they go in there and just check and monitor them, make sure that they're uh, you know, keep it in check. Um and today, with social media, um anybody can get on YouTube, get interviewed, uh, you know, say anything the, the The problem is is that you know, it, it took me a while to uh, probably you too <laughs> to start realizing it was some of these witnesses that are coming forth that uh, are having total memory recall of their service in space twenty years and back, um and age regression technology and you know try to understand how this all came about which goes into a a long history um you can't you can't bring anything back you know a lot of people say well show me the evidence you know show me a piece of a spaceship you know show me something uh that you can prove uh have a a photograph but you know today anything could be anything can be faked and um and so you have a you have a, a situation where anybody can say something and not have any evidence to back it, and still be still be credible. You know, let's take myself for example. I the other witnesses that I joined at the National Press Club uh, were talking about uh, you know fifty seven different extraterrestrial species categorized faster than light craft developed back in the 50s, president CIA directors being denied access, bases on the other side of the moon, uh, nukes being shut down, you know, on and on. My testimony was minor (laughs) compared to them Um, that uh, I didn't have any. Now, a lot of them brought official um, supporting documentation. Uh, Naval commander Graham Bethune brought all his documentation uh head of f a a investigations division, although the CIA sworn in the secrecy and confiscated about this uh seven forty seven Japanese airline that had this huge it was like it dwarfed it, the, the craft they had radar, they had ground radar, military radar, they had computer printouts, they had all this stuff, and they confiscated it all from him, but he had backups so he brought it with him, you know to the conference now I wanted to bring supporting documentation so I contacted the office of naval intelligence, you know, going through the chief of naval operations, and I gave a lot of specifics of, of, you know, where the ship came from and what communication station to see if I can get a copy of the report but they said that the ship's logs get destroyed after a certain period of time so unlike the other witnesses that were able to bring supporting documentation I only had my word, you know, to go by. Um, Today, you know, somebody can get onto YouTube and they can um, say, yeah, I've been on 20 and back and I've been on Mars and I've been on MedBeds and I've uh, been in the Solar Warden Program. And, and, you know, and they can put together this information uh, just by watching a lot of YouTube videos. And we've got a lot of credible witnesses that are coming out. But then there are some that come out and you have to wonder um, the information conflicts with other people. In fact, one of the things I look for is where somebody new all of a sudden pops up and they're being interviewed all, across all the YouTube channels and uh, everybody, and they're like on a mission to get their information out. But a lot of it sounds credible, but then they bring in information that is exactly opposite of what somebody else is saying. And it's to discredit somebody that's truthful and somebody that, uh, you know, there are are witnesses, (laughs) there are experiencers, contactees out there that do have credible scientific evidence to back up what they're saying. And everybody has to do their own research to determine, you know, who those people are um and so well, that's a very
1: important yes. part of the process I, I something i do all the time is, is yes to do some <laughs> vetting i mean I, I know people there are people in the ufo community that kind of like it's a whole spectrum in terms of like, you know, those that do a really rigorous vetting and you know go all, all over the documents and the history and find any inconsistencies. And those that do absolutely no vetting at all and just like, you know, well, you, you had this experience, so, yeah, let's talk about it and put it out there. And, and so I try and do something in between. I, I try and do a little bit of vetting, and, and that really helps sort out those that are really Assets, I think, of one of these psychological warfare programs, uh, whether it's deep state, whether it's military intelligence community, because one of the, you know, there are a few clues. One of the things that I always look for is uh how how much that person wants to get their information out there. You know, if they're in a great hurry to get the information out there, you know, that's a that's a clue. If if they're like, if they're willing to share documentation to to prove. Things that they say they said, you know, like for example, you know, they say, Well, I was out with my girlfriend and, and we saw this UFO and it landed and and all of this happened. Well, you know, can I talk to your girlfriend type thing? So, you know, people who are willing to share the truth, you know, they'll they'll oblige with those kind of requests. But those that are assets, I mean, their their job is to establish some sort of uh plausible narrative for for why they should be interviewed, why they should get out there. So yeah, that there, there are some clues and um there's no kind of easy way of doing it. You just got to have the experience. And sometimes you you know who the disinformation people are, you know, right off the bat. Other times it, it takes a long time to work it out.
0: Yeah. Thank you for all the due diligence that you do, Michael. It's so critical in this world, you know, to move forward. It's the only thing that's keeping us moving forward from the Star Trek future that we should have had, um, you know, 50, 60 years ago. Um, and, you know, they don't have to be somebody new on the scene that's trying to get their message out all over the place. You can have people that uh, have came on the scene early and they build up uh, build up a narrative for some time. And then all of a sudden, they do something completely discrediting, and the purpose of that is to is to discredit the real uh secret space program uh, people. in other words, you would have um somebody that uh you know, it sounds everything matches. You know, it 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 goes along. It's like ninety percent of it is is true and it, and it matches. And you and you start to um, start to gain a following. And uh, you start to uh, you know believe that this person is credible. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, uh, they do something totally obviously. You know, or or claiming the earth is flat or whatever. You know, they do it in for the purpose of and this is what this is what the intelligence agencies do they they put plants in and so that the time bomb will go off later and so the purpose of it is and people who uh, try to research the subject what happens is it effectively maintains the counter disclosure because people see all this conflicting information or they see people that come out with that information and it matches what truthful people are saying. And then all of a sudden, they're doing something discrediting. And what happens is people in their mind, the average person just thinks, you know, well, there's a lot of conflicting information. I don't know what to believe. And because people don't know what to believe uh, or or have a have a sense of what's real and what's not, uh, they just discount the entire thing. You know, throw the ba- baby out with the bathwater, as they say. So um, that's one of the tactics that they use, is uh, come in with a lot of truthful information and then become completely discrediting. And the, the purpose is to discredit the real people who are coming out with uh, information. And the real people, it's hard to get evidence with these, <laughs> this, this sub- subject. But there are some people that are coming out with real scientifically verifiable evidence that supports what they're saying,
1: definitely. yeah. I, I mean, this is really a psychological warfare that that is going on. There are those, the truth tellers that we try as hard as possible to find the truth. And uh, you know sometimes we might be fooled by people uh, for a little while, but eventually we kind of realize what's going on and and we move on and we learn and we get better better at it and then there are the uh, those that are the assets of these uh, psychological warfare programs you know wherever where from wherever they come and uh, you know they they use all of these really sophisticated tools and techniques to fool people to get them to buy into their narrative and as you say you know 90 90 percent of it can be accurate that's how psychological warfare operates. Uh, you, you put out 90% of the truth and then you and the 10% of the disinformation is is designed to kind of get people to go down a particular path that will take them away from you know something very important that maybe they were on the verge of understanding.
0: Yes deceivers have to work very hard because you know you can imagine you know the artificial intelligence bots on the internet that are trying to control the narrative and they have to, they do all the all this elaborate work whereas if you're telling the truth it's effortless um, and the truth has a way of surfacing and revealing itself and so they have to work extra hard in order to keep everybody confused and keep keep the truth from uh, from being disclosed. Yeah in your paper. Of disclosure assets, you
1: you you distinguish between military sock puppets, NSA trolls, and CIA shills. So you want to just elaborate on what are they?
0: Well, they um <laughs> they it it's all part of the effort in order to control the public's perception. So these um fake identities that come up that are some are artificially you can imagine the uh artificial intelligence has evolved considerably to create intelligent uh type of bots that can actually sound like real people but they what they do is they they do counter narratives so whatever the truth is it's coming out they they throw out a counter narrative in order to um you know just keeps muddying the water so people don't know what to believe and effectively maintains, uh, you know, a counter disclosure. So these um, NSA trolls, CIA
1: shills, I mean, this all refers to a psychological strategy program or warfare program that's been going on for a long time. And in 2014, there was an Edward Snowden document that showed that this was really happening. It's called the the Art of Deception, and that discussed these online deception programs and 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 some of these included UFO photos. So that showed that you know the 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 five eyes intelligence community, that's uh, Australia, Canada, Britain, United States, New Zealand, that they all collaborate in uh, deceiving people uh, using all of these psychological warfare strategies. And that the online community is a big target, and a UFO issue is a, is a one of the issues that they do this kind of uh, psychological warfare on. You want to elaborate on that uh, 2014 document by Snowden that was leaked?
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, and going back to even 1950, it was a higher classification than the H bomb to keep the secrecy on this. So yeah, it's an extreme effort that they use all their tools at disposal in order to gain control of the public perception. Um, Because, because just imagine if, uh, you and I have been researching this for some time, and so it's a little different than the average person who um, has to, uh, you know, is just trying to survive on this planet and, mainly uses television you know for their uh source of information or other other sources that have been completely um uh, infiltrated and hijacked and are using against the uh, against the people of the world um, it's a uh it's the block that is keeping us from going into the Star Trek future. Uh, I think you know I, I spent ten years meeting with scientists and inventors trying to bring out a solution, which was just a nightmare. National security orders; thousands of inventions have been suppressed due to the uh, Invention Secrecy Act of 1951. They want to keep they, they want to keep us technologically suppressed. They don't want the advanced technologies to come out, and the extraterrestrial issue is totally intimately connected with advanced technologies. And and it kind of works in their favor that there is a prime directive with the Galactic Federation of Worlds because you, um, you don't have an advanced race interfering with a race that's still evolving. And so we're not allowed to come in and intervene but they work in balance, you know, since the uh, Nazis had a advanced, <laughs> got quite a kind of jump on technologies back in the thirties with the uh, Draco of the Sakkar empire, that uh, they're working in balance with uh, the US Navy uh, to bring about um, a counterbalance for what happened with Admiral Byrd and the defeat and everything like that um now we're on par or better <laughs> than what they had back then so but still the public doesn't have like i mean they're 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 appearing more and more you know like the on the international space station they had like 30 uh craft flying in front of it you know they're making they're making themselves known that they're here but but it's a very it, it's psychologically sensitive because we've been falsely indoctrinated for generations that it's a psychological shock to all of a sudden hey guess what <laughs> we've been lying to you for like 60 70 years and um here's here's the extraterrestrials and they have technologies we have med beds we've got uh, a uh, a Starfleet that's being built on the other side of the moon, you know, that's a bit much of a stretch. It's still people still think that's in science fiction realm. Um it, it's it's um it's sad that it's been kept in science fiction and people I mean it's comfortable to think that oh it's just science fiction, it's not uh you know, it's not real um but when you look into this like you and i have it's like you know i know you must have had a lot of oh my god <laughs> this is this is real moments in your research career looking into this
1: well one of the things that really got my attention um in doing the research was how the navy was involved in, both in the research and study and reverse engineering of extraterrestrial spacecraft and building a secret space program, but they were also involved in the psychological warfare aspect. In fact, Leslie Stevens III, he was the vice admiral that kind of like helped create this psychological, psychological operations board, or so, sorry, the psychological strategy board that eventually Corso sat on. So, Leslie Stevens III helped establish that. And he got his son involved later. Uh, that's Leslie Stevens, the fourth. And he was the guy that um, created uh, the, uh, what was it? The, the outer limits. I think it was right? Uh, the outer limits. And he was the one that read in Gene Roddenberry to aspects of the Navy secret space program and got Gene Roddenberry to put it out. And so so Gene Roddenberry and the Star Trek is an outgrowth of this psychological warfare program that was started by the Navy that kind of like do two things was, you know, two main objectives was one, you put the truth out there, but secondly, you do it in a way that kind of discredits anyone, anyone else revealing the truth. So you, you look at something like Star Trek, it's brilliant from a psychological warfare program i mean you're hiding the truth in plain sight so it, mm-hmm. it's presented in fiction people see it all you know the, the 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 federation of the galactic federation of worlds and you know the different extraterrestrial species the good the bad the ugly and so it's all there and so people are educated about this but on the other hand it's all presented in fiction so that anyone coming forward and say yeah i was a part of a secret space program it's like, oh no you you watched you watch Star Trek, or or maybe you you kind of got that idea from some other show. Yeah, so you got
0: beamed up, right? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah
1: psychological warfare—you know, using the entertainment industry—it's been happening for a long time.
0: Absolutely, yeah. The entertainment industry uh, even actually started with uh, 1951 with uh, the Day to Earth, stood still there was uh, a lot of <laughs> operations. But those seem more like white hat operations like star trek seems like more like white hat but it's true yeah they are involved in the psychological warfare and you have to think about the last uh, congressional hearing on ufos uaps where they had the director of naval intelligence saying you know mr mr gallagher he's a representative uh from wisconsin uh he brought up the issue about the admiral wilson memo you know which is a which is a hot potato um and also about the uh maelstrom air force incident with uh ca- captain robert salas where they shut down 10 nuclear tip icbms they didn't destroy them they just shut them all down uh and the, he brought the official uh air force office of special investigations documentation that backed up his testimony um now he mr gallagher put them on the spot and they both um say oh do you have anything like that no i we don't have it in our archives uh you know these people are supposed to be the ones that are authorities on the subject and most um people who do a little bit of research on the ufo subject are aware of the uh the Maelstrom Air Force incident and the uh, Admiral Wilson memo that came out it was all over the place, uh, which is very revealing um, and both of them de- declined that they had any knowledge of it, you know, well, he, he says, well, if something, uh, if something authoritative comes my way that I can see and he said, well, you know, this is authoritative, <laughs> I'm saying to look into it. So anyway, it was noted. And it's just kind of interesting that um, these people who are in charge of intelligence with the Navy are um, completely not acknowledging some of the history that happened. Uh, that was back in the, uh, uh was like 19, uh, 1968 or something like that, uh, the Maelstrom, and then in 2000 and. I think it was, correct me, Michael, I think it was 2008, the uh, Admiral Wilson memo came out, something like that. Uh, so it was fairly current, and uh, it's very revealing that the uh, Navy intelligence had no idea about this, that they're basically they're basically puppets put in place. They're counter-disclosure assets, in, in my view, uh, that are protecting the narrative, like protect the narrative at all costs (laughs) and uh and and so you know what what's what's sad is there's, there's an incredible world that could be realized that um these elements have deceived humanity for so many decades and that we could have Advance cultural exchange with beings from other worlds that are benevolent and could aid mankind so that, you know, sickness, disease, I think a lot of this was offered in the 1954 meeting with the Galactic Federation of Worlds with Eisenhower. And he wanted to go on radio and television and disclose this to the world in May, according to Gerald Light, who was one of the witnesses there. And uh, then you have Francis McIntyre, who lied and went spilled the beans to the Pope. And, you know, the Vatican, you have a great article on, you know, the Vatican's relationship with uh, the control of this issue. And there's an authenticated document that talks about the uh, Catholic Church wanting to have Containment you know, of the issue, and so um, it's, a, it's a crime against humanity, and uh, the one thing that uh, these elements that want to maintain uh, maintain the deception and not reveal the full disclosure are keeping humanity from that um, what you call a Star Trek future.
1: Definitely, are now one of the things that I've noticed in doing this research into exile politics is how overall control of the the whole kind of vast apparatus of special access programs has been gradually taken out of the hands of like the kind of like mainstream military and moved into the corporate sector. So you you now have like like I think the Admiral Wilson memo incident, I mean, that really illustrates this so well that the real power now is not so much with the military intelligence community, uh, who's kind of like play this secondary role, a role that the FBI used to play for the military intelligence. Now, the military intelligence community are playing that role for the corporations that run these programs, which is to just keep it all secret, which is to kind of like conduct these psychological operations, keep the public in the dark, but in the same time, the corporations are keeping the military intelligence community in the dark, as we see with Admiral Wilson, and only a few people from the, from the military intelligence community are, are read in, and these are people who are kind of like compromised or bought out and eventually mm-hmm. fast tracked into the corporate sector and they become, you know, direct, uh, assistant directors and so forth, or they sit on the board of directors, you know, former four stars or three stars. So, so this is how they keep the secrecy and, and it, and it's, and, you know, forget about the general public, you know, we, we don't, we're not mm-hmm. going to get any of the the truth of these special access programs. Uh, and if you're a member of Congress, well, you know, you're just going to get a cover program, but even, Even the the sitting vice director of the Defense Intelligence Agency, which is what Admiral Wilson was back in 1997 when he he inquired into this, I mean, even he's not given any looking. So now, I mean, we're talking 25 years since that time. I think the, the corporations have been able to kind of like monopolize this even more. So now we're in this situation, a unique situation on the planet where all of a sudden, you, you have the intervention of some of these more powerful extraterrestrial groups who are coming in to kind of like help level the playing field and, and kind of change it and releasing the information through private individuals, you know, through direct physical encounters with members of the Galactic
0: Federation. Excellent point, Michael. Um, yeah, it is like you're, you're the head of intelligence for the Joint Chiefs of Staff. I mean, give me a break. You're not high enough security clearance in order to know what's going on. Um, yeah. Um, President Eisenhower, 1961, he tried to warn the public that beware of the unwarranted influences and misplaced powers within the Industrial military complex. Only an alert, knowledgeable citizenry can protect our future liberties and freedoms. He was aware, as General uh, Stephen Lovkin was on his staff, that he had lost control to the corporations, and the corporations, as we know, have been infiltrated by the Fourth Reich, and that uh, these operations have gone totally into the control of the corporations. That, and we know. The mentality of a corporation is it, it's not very um it's not very conducive for the the benefit of, of humanity that it's basically for its shareholders and uh, its objectives and gains and it could care less about anything else and so um you know i could see where the fourth reich which was supported by as you know <laughs> uh a lot of corporations that uh worked you know with them in Antarctica and their secret space program down there um so yeah we we have a it's not it's not our government per se when after i after I went to Washington, you know, to testify, um I traveled across the United States and the major cities and every place the the media would make make fun of it, you know, uh, so it, it doesn't matter if you're an affiliate. you're still you have to tote the line of what the corporate office is telling you to do. Um, and um, where were they going with that? Um Anyway, I just lost my thought.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, the corporations now do have so much control and influence, and right now, of course, I mean they are having this kind of unprecedented influence over a sitting presidential administration. I mean, this is what the Twitter files that are now Elon, that have been released by Elon Musk. I mean, what he's revealing is that this this is a this is a fascist system now that's been mm. set up that the that the Biden administration colluded or well, what Biden while he was still campaigning for the election and then subsequently that they were colluding with the uh, major social media companies to influence the elections. And so after that they continued down their merry way. Well, you know, what do you call a collaboration of government and corporations that's fascism (laughs) so we live right now in a fascist state and the and the sad thing is that a lot of liberal progressives actually defend this they defend it because they they can't in their minds go beyond the idea that while somehow to criticize the biden administration is going to open the door to you know the orange man right and and he's and his (laughs) people and it's like yeah but you know what Trump, for all his flaws, I mean, he was never a guy that proposed this kind of like union between corporations and and government. I mean, he was more, uh, you know, going for this kind of like decentralized view or, or minimal government, if you like. But but what we're seeing now is uh, fascism um, in in America, and, and and you have like these anti-fascist people going out there attacking patriots who are. Pointing this out. It's just bizarre.
0: Yeah. The contrast between the two administrations is stunning. Um, I, I remember where I picked off my thought. Uh, when going around the, the country and going, we were trying to get people to write a letter to their congressman, senator, the president, and everything. People don't have time to write letters. It just doesn't happen. So I worked with a programmer and we put an online fax uh, to contact the president and the representatives and senators and even had a database of embassies around the world and I included that in it and had about 30,000 faxes going out and I had I was in charge of the disclosure projects uh, website and so I told people send me your responses from your senators congressmen the president and everything so I had about 52 or 53 letters back from them and after reading them all it became quite apparent that they were given talking points of official letters of denial from from nasa and project blue book uh and so they're all out of the loop you know and, that, and they're all corrupt anyway most of them you know in our representatives so uh at least a large percentage of them so they uh the government is, is one thing. The corporations that are controlling this, that have basically hijacked it, and I think it all happened back in the mid-50s, where um, Eisenhower lost control, and as Admiral Wilson found out that he had to meet with these corporate lawyers, uh, that uh, it's in the hands of the corporations,
1: and that is very worrying because it means that if things don't change dramatically soon, that the truth about the extraterrestrial presence uh, will, will just kind of like be hidden or be manipulated uh, by this kind of like corporate government fusion that, that we're seeing right now, that this kind of like fascist state um, is in control of the UFO extraterrestrial secrets. And we don't know how and when they're going to release it. Now, I know that there is this kind of like a lot of people are questioning what, what has happened to this uh, UAP report that was supposed to be delivered to Congress uh, by the Pentagon and the Office of Director of National Intelligence back in October. And they're saying, well, where where is it? And and I, I my guess is that maybe this is kind of like being held up because the deep state people can't decide whether or not they're going to like reveal some of what's really going on, but but frame it in the in the in the way in in the uh, frame it as a kind of like extraterrestrial threat, so that they can set up their false flag operation, or whether just kind of like pour cold water on it all and say, oh, there's nothing here. It's just you know uh, air balloons and you know misidentification and so forth.
0: Yeah, there is definitely a concerted effort to make the public believe that we do not have the technological capability of anti-gravity craft. Um, we have we're still using primitive rockets <laughs> to go into space. Um, it's all like an expensive, uh, an expensive prop show, the, the show of the public, but. As you know, you know we've developed anti-gravity all the way back in 1954, and uh, one of the witnesses, Mark McClandish, who was going to testify at the previous 2021 UAP, uh, uh, kind of mysteriously committed suicide before doing so, and then you have Mike Tuber, Air Force intelligence specialist, who two years prior said that oh, the the UAP, um, that's the tic tac that's promoted so heavily, you know, started with the New York Times, of course, you know, <laughs> at the core, <laughs> New York Times and it propagates out. Um, so everybody's aware of it. Uh, it was actually, you know, made by Lockheed. and uh, then he comes back one week before Mark commits suicide you know according to the report um that uh he made the whole thing up i mean how many people just make some dramatic statement like that and then come back and then they say oh well i was just doing a psychological test you know i i do really it really isn't real Uh, i just made the whole thing up you know it's very very highly suspicious so to me it, it it reeks of a uh extreme effort in order to keep the public from becoming aware because both of those testimonies indicate that we have advanced anti-gravity craft and uh mark's testimony which is uh, quite quite explosive and he had quite a bit of uh information on that that these alien reproduction vehicles that were built back in the 1950s they go faster than the speed of light uh, they didn't want that out into the public mind. And so, you know, you have going all the way back to, I think, 1967, the report from Iron Mountain, which LBJ got so <laughs> upset that it got leaked. And it talks about contriving a a, um, a threat from outer space, you know, and then you have, you know, of course, Werner von Braun's uh, deathbed testimony of the last card, which would be an extraterrestrial threat, which, you uh, you know he's been uh, he's been accurate so far the Soviets and then we had the terrorists which happened just a couple months after we revealed it to the National Press Club and uh, and then we had rogue nations we definitely had North Korea and Iran as rogue nations and then we haven't had the asteroid yet but the next one following that is the I don't know if they're going to stay in sequence but he's been uh, spied on so far
1: right and th- and this. Possibility of a false flag alien attack. I mean, people have been speculating about it for, for years. I, I've done a webinar on it. And of course, as you mentioned, Carol Rosen has been talking about it since at least 2001, if not before then. So, you know, everyone is kind of like prepared for it. Um, and it's like, well, are, are the is the deep state going to do it? I mean, we seem to be getting closer and closer to something happening. So some major things are going to be happening very, very soon. And, you know, the false flag alien invasion uh, could be one of those cards that is played or whatever is played. But one thing is clear is that whatever is revealed is going to be just another psychological warfare uh, program if it's, if it's just done by the same people that have been kind of like in control of this information for, for decades, whether it's the military intelligence community, whether it's the deep state through Operation Mockingbird, the mainstream uh, press. Um, yeah, that, they, that and this is one of the things that really kind of like uh, is worrying is, is the way in which the mainstream media has this kind of like hypnotic hold over such a big percentage of the American population. How, how do you break out of that?
0: turn the tv off (laughs) um yeah i i think everybody gets it what happens is how it's so effective is generational indoctrination i used to watch the news with my father watch walter cronkite and we had no reason whatsoever you know just a reputable grandfather looking kind of man that's you know telling the news and he wouldn't say anything that would not be true Uh, of course You know, you find that he's a 33rd degree Freemason. Um, But then as that generation grows up, the children watch television with their parents. They don't believe that there's anything to be questioned, that that's, that's the real news, you know. I've got authoritative sources, I have the New York Times, I have Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC, these are authoritative sources, they double check the journalists and everything, the trouble is, is that the journalists that try to expose anything, they immediately get fired. Um, In the talking points, as we all know, they're all shared amongst all of their controlled uh, outlets that branch, that go all the way back to you know, instead of May of 1954, having Eisenhower have public disclosure, uh, which MJ-12 went behind his back and circumvented that with the uh, agreement with the uh, Nibu, instead, they, a Nazi SS officer, former uh, set up the Bilderberg meetings, which they have the early secret meetings, and they uh, along with the Council on Foreign Relations, they control the six corporations. They give the talking points They control the narrative of how the public is to perceive everything. And so I used to watch television to see what are they going to do next? You know, I knew they were deceiving people, but after a while, it it hurts your brain to watch somebody lying to you. And, and, and know that this is the information that there's a lot of people who are watching this same information and are completely believing it. And it's very disturbing. And so, you know, I've turned off mm-hmm. <laughs> CBS and all the different networks some time ago and, you know, strictly look at, uh, you know, videos on Rumble or whatever, you know, watch your channel and, and other people who I feel are reputable Uh, to try to get more of an insight of what's actually going on. Uh, And how do you break out of it is the question. Um, It's a hard one. It's a hard one because it's hard for somebody ever since their childhood that has trusted that that one-eyed monster in the corner of the room to be giving you information and to think that it's been deceiving you toward an agenda that's not for humanity, all these decades. And so it's, it's a hard one. It's like, um, you know, and people are starting to realize that, you know, even medical advice on the television, could, if you don't know, what's going on can be harmful to you.
1: Well, it is a lot of perception management going on to kind of like ridicule the UFO topic and the extraterrestrial presence and and to just kind of like get people to think in these very limited terms. And, you know, we kind of see that right now happening around the planet. You know, right now, of course, everyone is focusing on Ukraine and uh, what's happening there. And of course, everyone's framing it in terms of, well, you know, the, the Russians uh uh, are trying to kind of like go in and, and clean up the Ukrainian state, which is a center for money money laundering, child trafficking, and all these nefarious things. And, you know, from the Ukrainian perspective, it's all about standing up to this, you know, Russian expansionism and aggression against smaller neighbors. But but the truth is that there is an exopolitical element here that. What, what really is driving the conflict was that at some point the U.S and Russia realized that there is this giant space Ark buried under the sands of Oleshky Sands National Park in uh, Ukraine's southern region and so the, the so they basically both of them wanted to get control over that um and and this is something that I think, you you find if you look closely at every major international conflict, there's always an exopolitical factor there that's that's being ignored. So, you know, what, what do you think of that? What do you think about this possibility that behind a conflict like Ukraine, that you know, that there is this rival efforts by Russia and the United States to get control over that particular area because there's a buried space arc with all of these incredible technologies. And that a lot of the kind of psychological operations are really to kind of get people to get be distracted by all this other stuff. But in reality, it's all this race to find and get control over ancient extraterrestrial technologies.
0: You know, you being a prior teaching professor of that subject at a major university, uh, know that subject well, Um, without without a question, every, every event the Gulf of Tonkin <laughs> you know I had to go to Vietnam uh 9-11 uh look at what happened with that um as General Wesley Lake uh I think talked about the you know the seven countries and five years or something like that and then how they're going to take them out and it was all it was classified uh yeah they they have alternative there's mul- usually when they do something, it it serves. If they do something big, like you know, it serves multiple agendas, and it's not what you see on television. What that what those agendas are, no question about that.
1: Well, I know the Iraq War. I mean, there's a good example, two thousand and three. I mean, I mean, supposedly that was about uh, Saddam Hussein. Um, having weapons of mass destruction, but but in fact, what what he had was a, a weapon of mass disruption, which was to reveal the truth about these ancient Anunnaki space technologies buried in the in the uh, Sumerian area of Iraq, and he was going to reveal some of this stuff, and of co- and of course the US wouldn't allow this, and they they just they just concocted this you know this false narrative that uh, Saddam Hussein um, is building weapons of mass disruption, where he had no intent at all. I mean, he he knew what was going on. But in fact, he had found the ancient stargates there in Iraq, he'd found some of the Anunnaki space technologies. I mean, even now, I mean, you, you have uh, the truth coming out about um, this ancient... Kind of like uh, area underneath uh, the the city of Nippur from uh, from ancient Sumer, and there's a sleeping giant down there, and that uh, you know it's like well, and he has control over all of this ancient uh, space technologies that the Anunnaki had, which even now the Americans and the Russians don't understand it. So yeah, I mean Iraq was all about these exopolitical goals, and that everything around it was a distraction. From the truth, and so, and this is the this is the irony of it all: is that this whole subject of extraterrestrials and UFOs is ridiculed by mainstream uh, scientists or academics. I mean, uh, people would laugh me out of an academic institution mm. now. I mean, they've forced me out already. I mean, they'd laugh me out if I started to talk about this stuff. But but the, the truth is, it is really what is driving
0: geopolitics. Thank God they did. You know, you're doing some of the most important work on this planet is educating the public to some of this. Um, yeah, you know, this Rockefeller this Smithsonian Institute. You know, they're going to talk about counter disclosure. They're trying to run around trying to hide all this information, and going back to ancient times, I could see the Anunnaki limiting our lifespan. So because when you get older after several decades. Um, you start putting the pieces together and you know and then your body deteriorates and then you have to reincarnate <laughs> um, and so um, I could see they keep control of people limiting their lifespans so they don't piece it all together um, so you know hopefully, um, hopefully we can uh, give some indications for people to Pieces together for themselves, and my recommendation is to trust no one, to do your own research, and discover the truth for yourself. Um, uh, should I go over a couple of uh, pointers, Michael? To uh, Definitely. Yeah. Those 20 kind of tips that you
1: have at the end of your paper to identify counter-disclosure initiatives, because, you know, this is where we are now. We're part of the truth-telling community. We're open to the truth. We're seeking it. You know, we're not vested in any one particular narrative. We're just seeking the truth. But there's a lot of people out there, a lot of assets out there that are trying to confuse us and misdirect us and Uh, put out this information. So, yeah, you've got 20 tips to identify counter-disclosure initiatives. So uh, do you want to just kind of like highlight the the ones that you see uh, as the most important?
0: Yeah, I'll just go really rapidly through this. Um, uh, Take note of previously unknown individuals in the disclosure community. All of a sudden, suddenly appear that they're on a mission with every major voice in social media as though they're on a mission. Um, you know, somebody who all of a sudden, out of nowhere, uh, starts talking about things that, that you never heard about this person before. Um, they may sound like they know what they're talking about, but they have absolutely no credible evidence to, to back their testimony. There are witnesses or experiencers and contactees that do have credible evidence to back up what they're saying. Not everyone does. That doesn't mean that they're not credible um they seek to attack or attempt to discredit others and sow division in the community rather than unity especially if the person is attempting to discredit represents a threat of disclosing truthful information they wish to you know to counter their narrative will sound somewhat believable with truthful information mixed in this is in the CIA manual by the way (laughs) they say but 90% truth and mix in 10% of the narrative there, you want to take it, you know, so that it builds credibility with the people. Um, So you have this truthful information mixed in, but note if the narrative is targeting another credible person with the exact opposite. In other words, if somebody says um, Mars has um, uh, something on it. And they say just the exact opposite, you know, uh, I can't think of an example, but whatever they say, they, whatever the other person is saying, it's the exact opposite it means they're, they put these assets out there in order to target specific individuals so that it, you know, discredits them, uh, their testimony will, will change, they'll be, it, it'll shift uh, when they're, uh, giving uh, their information, you'll find that they'll say one thing, and then they're interviewed again, and it's not consistent. Um, if I jump
1: in here, I just want to kind of jump in and yes, add, please. Add, add to that. I mean, those are the you know, first five points of your list of 20. Uh, I, I would say that uh, we're seeing a lot of that happening right now. There's a lot of people out there who, who don't look at all of the different sources that have been coming out for years putting out information whether it's leaked documents whether it's testimonies of all of these whistleblowers insiders going back many decades all of these documents that have been out there uh these people will say oh um i channeled my higher self and uh, you know this is what's going on out there or they'll say i remote viewed uh what's going on over there. I, I, I went into the space arc and that's what I saw over there. And it's like, you, you know, remote viewing is an actual scientific protocol where you need to actually have a blind protocol uh, where you have multiple people involved so that that way you don't front load. You know, there's a lot of people that are, right. that are putting out this kind of narrative all based on their own personal subjective experiences, whether they are channeling, you know, some higher dimensional source. Whether they're saying, "Oh, you know, I'm remote viewing this, and this is what's going on." It's like, um, you know, at best, that's a supporting piece of evidence, which is, can be very helpful. But if you just put it out as the primary evidence, as the sole evidence, then you know you're you're likely putting out this information, or you are going to confuse and muddy the water because, you know, you you don't know who it is that your your channeling it's yeah, like picking so up a subjective. phone yeah who,
0: who's
1: who's on the other end of the phone you know they, they they might tell you you know i i i am the president of uh russia or something and i want to tell you something i mean you know, there are these pranksters on the phone who who fool people all the time these russian pranksters that do that all the time so it's the same thing with channeling or accessing some source out there you don't know and and similarly with remote viewing you know you don't know how your subconscious influences things so i i always try to take the approach of like have multiple sources and cross reference mm-hmm. don't just take yes. one person's word for it take look at multiple sources and cross reference and if all those sources agree uh, one one can be channeled one can be personal um evidence in terms of what they've witnessed another can be uh, a leaked document just look at it all and put it all together. And you're more likely to be on the right track and, and putting out the truth as opposed to maybe being an un, unwitting or an unwilling asset to one of these psychological warfare programs.
0: Absolutely. Anything that's channeled has to be highly, it, it can't even be included in in this, this type of research. Now, you've been researching for decades. And you you're Done incredible scholarly work, and so you have a you have a information base to pull from, and so that's my next point is that if you research many of the secret space program whistleblowers or witnesses. There is a certain consistent amount of corroboration that that they'll all say, you know, I was on board, you know, solar warden and had this operation on Mars or something and it was this and that. And there's a certain degree of, you know, corroboration between multiple secret space program witnesses. Then if you have somebody that comes out with something totally off the wall, you know, it doesn't mean that they're... They're not credible. It just means take note of it because it's not going along with the consistent uh, of of what many witnesses are describing. Um, The uh, the counter these counter disclosure assets. That's what I I uh, term I use. um, They will claim somebody is like oh they're. If they wanting to target somebody, they'll claim, "Oh, they just have a financial interest." This is what the CIA did back with the uh, the term conspiracy theory to say that, "Oh, these people have interest in, uh, you know, making money, half baked theories, and everything like that." So they wanted to discredit them. They'll say that they're they're connected with the CIA. Um, they um, their information conflicts with historical. Authenticated classified documents. I've I've researched one witness that came out that uh, he made a lot of claims, and his claims weren't totally against authenticated documents that said completely different. So, you know, it's there is documentation on the history of all this, and and you know that well, Michael. Um, the disclosure asset may come out with entirely truthful information but then they will start acting in discreditable ways you know <laughs> you know that they'll they'll do something that will be totally you know we'll say yeah absolutely the earth is flat and they'll uh, go on like that uh so that's in fact that was a darpa program that uh worked with social media um they may uh connect themselves with a noble cause and they'll hide behind the noble cause by associating themselves with it um also look at their affiliations you know are they they have connections with the uh, air force vatican world economic forum ufo groups who are they associated with look at who they associate with um note if uh if they're um if you're going on outlets that are, are, are discreditable, you know, like there are certain outlets that kind of cater to kind of the loony side of, of the UFO topic. Um, They'll uh, put in religious aspects and try to make it like a religion thing or they'll say that the, the person who's disclosing information overhears uh, it's the, the demonic their work of the devil you know they'll, they'll try to go that end um, you got to watch for those who are overly smoothing you you know to uh, you know flattery is one of the tactics that was in that uh, that uh, GCHQ document that is used for, uh, you know, counterintelligence. Uh, I just want to jump in there. Uh, yes. there's,
1: um, I mean, this is one of the things that we, we notice from the the whole kind of um, ATIP program and, and how certain people have been pushed into the mainstream media, getting a lot mm-hmm. of attention, uh, people... People know about you know the the former head of ATIP, uh, Luis Elizondo, and 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 Christopher Mellon, and <laughs> and and now you you have some of these other people, Avi Loeb, who's running the Galileo project, and and these people are getting a lot of mainstream media attention, and mm-hmm. right there, I mean, you, you have to kind of like uh, be suspicious, like what's what's the real agenda here? What's why are these particular people being pushed and given? Uh, this kind of like mainstream audience by the uh, entertainment industry or the the mainstream uh, news industry, that uh, they they continue to have these people on their shows and interview them and and talk about them. And and the the common thing, uh, as far as some of these uh, former ATIP people is concerned, is that they always depict the UFOs as a potential threat. And it's always about mm-hmm. the threat, mm-hmm. establishing this narrative that the UFOs are a threat. It's kind of established that firmly in the mind so that if they do decide to go ahead with the false flag alien invasion, the public's already been primed by these people from ATIP, Elizondo, Mellon, and, and others who have been really priming the public with this idea of um, the extraterrestrials, or, or the UFOs at least, being this kind of unknown threat. And uh, with uh, the, the agenda of the Galileo project, that seems to be kind of like also feeding into this.
0: It's interesting you brought that up. I was um, doing a um, kind of a, a review on, let's see if I can find it here. Uh course you can never find stuff when you need it oh here it is um interesting i was doing a review on uh dr queer's uh movie above top secret it's interesting they he says in the movie or one of the people in the movie i said he says i think it's quote I think it's a disinformation campaign. It's like a magician. You're doing something over here, but you're going to have people focus over here. When you're not looking, you can pull a fast one. In fact, that all the major media is going through five guys, nobody else, the five horsemen of the apocalypse, if you wanna call it that. And and he shows in the videos, he shows these five people, um, Luis Elizondo, Nick Pope, Jeremy Kenyon, Daniel Sheehan and Christopher Mellon. It kind of surprised me put Daniel Sheehan in there. I, I don't agree with everything Dr. Greer uh puts out, but I I thought that was kind of a um kind of a uh, a spot on observation because the media is reeling these people out all the time. And they have a particular narrative that uh is like you said, it's like the advance, even the, the name of it, the Advanced uh, Threat Identification Program (ATIP), uh, it's all about this threat narrative, which goes along with the potential false flag, uh, you know, type of type of situation. But that was a very good point, Michael. Yeah, there you, you do see these uh, certain voices always being carted out in front and being the representative of, of the subject um let's see the uh you know uh they'll, they'll claim they have inside information from uh, an intelligence source but you know because of security matters of course they can't reveal who they are um if they're offered to do a polygram exam they will most likely decline i thought it was interesting that you know, Bob Lazar passed multiple ones. Travis Walton did as well. You have uh, Randy Kramer passed the polygraph exam, and uh, uh, Jason Rice. Jason Rice. Jason Rice did as well, and and some witnesses uh, have declined. You know, so it's important to pay attention. If if somebody is telling the truth, they'll say, "Yeah, yeah, bring it on." You know, <laughs> I, I wanna I wanna have this substantiated. Um and if they're presented the opportunity to testify under oath before a congressional hearing under the penalty of perjury, um they will most likely decline so that's this just a few tips um uh to give the public to take note and the only way, as you mentioned earlier, the only way is really to have kind of a you have to you have to research you have to look at these different uh Different testimonies coming out, and make sense for yourself. Don't don't just follow any particular person. But what happens is the the truth has a way of revealing itself, and yep. and the deceivers have a way of outing themselves.
1: Well, I, I especially like your tip number seventeen. That the the counter disclosure asset may use flattery in a way to be accepted by. By show hosts or groups, in order to work their way into situations they want. Beware those who overly smooth you. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's very important. You know, there are people who are very good at it. I mean, used car salesmen are very good at it. Uh, you you go in, in, into a place where a con man may be operating. They're very good at smoozing and kind of like using flattery to get you to believe in them. So, we we got to be on guard with people in this kind of exopolitical. Um, community or ufo study that also use that kind of strategy that technique Um, so i think it's really great dan that you've put together this list of 20 points uh, for people to look at to kind of like be on the guard for these kind of counter disclosure initiatives so so where do people go to to read your paper
0: Oh, and my, my site started out, you know, because a media company wanted me to write an article on media control, and after I what I experienced in Washington, I gladly accepted, it, and so it started my journey on taking notes chronologically, and uh, I put it up online, it's not a professional site, just my online notes at thewebmatrix.net, and um, I kind of do a chronology from year 1900 to present day of things that kind of popped out for me it's not complete by any means but you know certain documents and witnesses and then if you start if you start seeing patterns you know you can't say it's a matter of probability you can't say you know anything 100% sure but some things have a much higher probability of being true than other things and so all you can do is look for the indicators that lead you to the higher probability of truth.
1: I think you're doing great work, Dan. Uh, Your website has a wealth of information on it. Uh, I recommend people go to thewebmatrix.net and there's a lot of uh, papers there, uh, a chronology of the whole UFO phenomenon. So it's been wonderful to have you again on Politics today, Dan. I I look forward to our next uh, meeting and uh, discussion.
0: Michael, always such a pleasure to join you. It's wonderful to be able to talk with someone who has a a background like you have in researching this subject for so many decades. So we have a lot to uh, reference. It's been a pleasure. You have been listening to ExoPolitics Today with Dr. Michael Sala. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to this channel. Join or start a conversation in the comments. Take the time to explore the vast library of best-selling books, webinars, and podcasts by Dr. Sala. Visit exopoliticstoday.com.